Welcome to Remote Learning Now, a new podcast dedicated to all of you great teachers and school leaders that are now working with remote learning or who are preparing for a remote learning situation. We are a small international team of educators, leaders and edtech consultants and our mission is to create small bite-sized podcasts that can inspire you on your remote learning journey. In today's episode, we will speak with Suzanne Lustenhauer from Amsterdam. Suzanne is an Apple professional learning specialist and an independent consultant, but has nine years of experience from the classroom. She has written a really interesting and well thought through blog post about remote learning. And that was one of the reasons that I reached out to her for having this conversation with her today. And in today's episode, we are covering five important cornerstones if you want to have a good fundament for creating good remote learning. So this episode should be highly relevant for all of you. Hi, Suzanne. Good morning. Hi, good morning. You have written a fantastic and highly relevant blog post about uh, remote learning. And you published it uh, last uh, Friday, the 3rd of uh, March. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you uh, wrote that in many parts of uh, Europe, schools aren't closed yet, <laughs> with the importance of, yeah. of yet. Uh, but already now, I think much has happened, and, and uh, yeah, the last few days they have changed that quite a lot. Uh, I don't think that there are that many European countries that aren't closed or where well, it isn't very close to. So I thought it would be yeah, highly exactly. relevant to, to speak with you today and, and look into the f- uh, great tips that you are giving in that blog post. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And one of the things that I uh, found uh, really interesting is that you have um, tried remote learning uh, yourself as a student uh, under quite similar uh, circumstances. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more more about that? Uh, sure, except it, it looks completely different as what we're trying to achieve here now or mm. what Hong Kong is doing at the moment. Because um, I wouldn't have called it remote learning then. Um, I was a student, a secondary student in uh, Hong Kong in 2003 when uh, SARS uh, uh, hit there. That was also around the time March, April, I think. Uh, so this time it started a little bit earlier in the year, but that meant for me that my GCSE exams were coming up. Those I was at an English uh, or British school, so we were following the English curriculum. Um, and the GCSEs meant that all the 16-year-olds would be doing their exams. And uh, a month before we would do our exams, the school were closed for uh, three weeks. And it's funny that I don't remember a lot of that period, but I think that's just because I was stuck behind my computer mm. in my books, studying every day. Um, so you said remote learning. I just called it home learning. studying, I guess, <laughs> yeah. learning from home yeah. because we were given no materials, extra materials home because I think the decision that the schools will be closed was very sudden there as well, just as it is now for a lot of uh, schools. So the school was very ill-prepared. Yeah, yeah, there was no distance learning or online learning um, as such. And what I found interesting about that when I read your blog uh, post, that was also that when I've been speaking with uh, teachers from from Hong Kong the uh, the last couple of months uh, for my other podcast, Mm -hmm. 
they, the schools they seem very prepared now. Uh, but also maybe that that uh, oh yeah that that experience has made them have totally different strategies and being much better prepared this time. And the scenario that you described that you so. that you was, uh, uh, experienced back in 2003 is maybe more where where many uh, schools sadly are in Europe that they are quite unprepared for for closing schools down more than for a couple of days because of snow but that they actually are closing down now for for weeks and probably months for weeks yeah. yeah yeah exactly I also read in one of the uh, articles from one of the schools coming out of Hong Kong is that they were closed last fall as well uh, during the protests in Hong Kong so they had you know small periods of time where they could get used to it and I think us as students in 2003 we would have been prepared to do some online learning because we all had internet we were yeah. all on uh, I think it was called ICQ back then and MSN Messenger and we were online all day with each other It yeah. was just the the school and the infrastructure that was not there yet. Um, I actually found a really funny uh, email, the only email I could find from around that time from my uh, drama teacher, and um, I'll, uh, I'll read it out to you because yeah. I think it's really funny. Um, it said, "Hi, uh, name of a classmate. Um, could you please pass this on via email?" So he didn't have all of our email addresses; just mm. one student. Um, there will be a session for people with outstanding coursework for drama. Um, students should bring floppy disks <laughs> and maybe a snack. Uh. Uh, come to the third floor IT room. So there was an IT room. Yeah. And um, sorry about the strange signs on the website. There are accidental computer code, and they should be gone soon. You can now fax me your draft for marking. So <laughs> he was expecting us to bring a floppy disk. Yeah. We had to fax our work, and they were trying to communicate via the website, but it wasn't really working. So they they were struggling. Yeah, and I think yeah. also that. Uh... Also today, we should remember that uh, that many of the, the the kids and 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 young people affected by by this now are maybe better prepared mm-hmm. for it than than oh definitely than some of us yeah. teachers. So so we should also try to 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 yeah, give them tasks that that play into their strength, digital strengths uh, where they can use their digital creativity. But you share yeah. five uh, great tips in your blog post. Yeah, and I would uh-huh. love to. Uh, Walk through those together with you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, the first part you talk about uh, synchronous uh, versus uh, asynchronous learning or a mixture of mm-hmm. those. Could you yeah. uh, guide us through those uh, two ways of, of sure. thinking about about online learning? Yeah. So the f- synchronous learning is the idea that you stick to your regular timetable. You know, you've got math first period, English second period, then a break, and then you've got drama and all of that. And with synchronous distance learning, uh, the students would follow the same schedule and the teachers would as well. And normally uh, you would have some kind of live, uh, uh, whether it's a video chat or the, the teacher is available for chats, but that is the designated time that a student has to work for that subject. Yeah. Um, when it's asynchronous learning, The student can kind of decide, okay, today in the morning I'm going to work on math because the teacher uh, uh, has already set the assignments uh, on there, uh, but he doesn't actually have to follow the school schedule. It's um, They can kind of 
um, choose their own uh, um, day schedule. Mm. Um, yeah, and then uh, the mix of both is where maybe you have uh, one hour a week that you're available via live conference or live chats for the students, but the rest of the learning, um, the students make their own schedule and they can choose for themselves. It's kind of the idea. Yeah. And, and and you also made a poll on on Twitter, and and we could see that a lot of uh, teachers now they are looking into how they can mix those uh, ways to yeah. look at the teaching and the timetable. I think that's quite uh, interesting, um, because one of yeah, the, I thought yeah, I thought the response was actually quite surprising for me because so much of the attention is going to schools are using Google Meet, school, schools are using Zoom and Teams. But the responses from this, and I think about 50, uh, 60 teachers responded. I'm not entirely sure of the numbers now. Yeah. But the, the only 7% or so said uh, we're doing synchronous learning. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just because maybe um, that's uh more newsworthy you're all online in a chat so in the video but actually the asynchronous learning is happening more but maybe that's less newsworthy or uh just you don't hear about it uh, as much yeah and i think from from the uh, parents perspective uh, having two uh, school kids at home now also i mm -hmm. like this idea of mixing yeah. so i think also what i could hear from a lot of uh, educators from 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 hong kong that have been teaching remotely for a long time is that that elements of, of having some synchronous activities during the week actually really help and improve the, the well-being of the kids so that they still feel yeah. a part of the class and they, they see uh, their, their friends and classmates and their teacher on the screen that that has, uh, is also important for the well-being. But also having the kids, it's, it's also really nice to give them some projects or that they can choose sometimes and own their own learning a little bit more so that they also have yeah. some asynchronous learning tasks so that they can yeah. say, okay, I actually feel for this math project right now and then I'll do that first. And so so yeah. I, personally, I like that idea of mixing those. I think that's a good point about the student well-being because I think what teachers could maybe forget at this point in time where they mostly focus on, you know, students have to do some learning is that uh, in school, you're usually the enabler of social activities, and especially when students are at home now, they can get quite lonely. And when uh, students may have their own WhatsApp groups or their Instagram groups or their Snapchats, oh. but you know those are all quite clicky, and students have their own social circles. If you're outside of that social circle, you don't get to interact with your classmates anymore. And I think teachers can enable that um, at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have a second point about uh, choose your platform and stick uh, with it, uh, stick with with what you yeah. know. I thought also yeah. that was really good, uh, great advice for schools right now. Mm -hmm. There, there are so I think every single edtech platform is free currently, or it seems to be that way because mm. everybody is trying to offer their services. But of course, there's marketing incentive in there as well. But um, especially for schools that suddenly hear that they're closing the next day, you don't have time to transfer to a new platform, to train your teachers. Even if you say, okay, we're going to do uh, training on the Monday and planning on the Tuesday and we'll start teaching on the Wednesday, that's two days. While yeah. most of the schools who've been doing digital pedagogy for a while, 
they've been struggling for four years to get all of their teachers on board. I think you, you can't expect really to get all of your teachers ready to go in, you know, in one or two days. So that's why I said stick to what you know, what you already have in place. Yeah. Um, and don't try to get overwhelmed by all of the other platforms that are now currently. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's sure. a good point because if if school leaders are on Twitter and, and I saw that will be, they will get bombarded with different platforms and offers and opinions on what to use and so yeah. on. And I think yeah, yeah it's it's um, a metaphor for it would maybe be that uh, instead of uh, if you get offered a a, a really good uh, fast sale boat, but you are uh-huh. aren't used to use it, then you wouldn't be faster than uh, taking no, the one you, yeah. you're used to. So I yeah, think keeping exactly. the complexity down, especially in the beginning, uh, in the first weeks, mm-hmm. and then preparing for for the long run, um, is, yeah. is important. Yeah, and just I know pretty much everything is free right now, but I actually thought it was pretty. Uh, uh, yes, I don't know what's the right word. Sad, interesting, ironic that uh, Shobi, one of my favorite platforms, they tried to offer that platform for free. Hmm. last friday uh but then everybody got on board and the system got so overwhelmed that they had to say sorry we can't offer everything uh for free our paying customers are going first now but i actually think for for new schools shobi could be such a solution to to this current problem i would uh, i would uh, give them gold to uh, be able to get on that system so it's not just what is what is free but it also just what is the you know, works. the simplest, the easiest, what what you already have, what works that, um, yeah, you should get on board with now. Yeah, and I actually uh, uh, looked at a tweet uh, this morning from Colin. Uh, I think they uh, showed mm-hmm. me they have been working hard uh, on uh, solving those things over the weekends. And, yeah. and but yeah, seeing just a massive spike they have had in activity last Friday that <laughs> that made it hard for them actually to serve their paying customers. That was quite interesting. Yeah. But I think it is an interesting platform because it is so a cross platform and and a good starting point. But but yeah, of course schools when if they are all starting onboarding point, the same easy to use uh, on, uh, yeah. onboarding the same system at once, they should also uh, have a little bit of patience and know that uh, yeah. those providers they are also working hard right now. And the servers are struggling mm-hmm. following up. Um, your third point was to create a plan uh, and then practice yeah. uh, and reiterate and uh, communicate. I think that there was a lot of good uh, takeaways in, in that part of, uh, of the blog post as well. Should we try to look into that? Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, the first thing, and, and I know it ended up being 3,000 words, this, this article, and um, from a design point, I wanted to make everything bold and say this is important. This you should really do this um, because I think you know uh, I start this with a little link to uh, the Southeast Asia uh, Computer Science Association, mm. um, and I think it's easily overlooked, but it's really important. I think or really useful. Um, this association has uh, computer science teachers, so obviously the tech savvy teachers uh, from different schools in Southeast Asia, and they've put all of their online learning plans online so you can on the on their website so uh, school leaders can have a look at 
how they have created their plans, how they've communicated and uh, what they've tested. And I think that was really, really useful, yes. especially the one of the American school in uh, uh, Japan, which I've referred to uh, quite often. Yeah. Um, I thought that one was really beautiful. I, I just can't imagine how they've created such a great, well-thought-out document uh, uh, maybe in a week, or I don't know how much time they had for that one. So uh, another reason, uh, great reason to jump into your, your blog post and find the, the resources and the links. Uh, uh, there's a lot of valuable uh, yeah, links in there. Yeah. Um, But I also thought there's this point about uh, practicing and e- iterating and, and knowing that that it will be uh, difficult in the beginning. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. most school leaders they should uh, be aware that this will not be a couple of weeks that schools are closed, but probably expect the worst case scenario and say, okay, maybe we don't will see our kids before uh, on this side of the yeah. uh, summer holiday. And if we see them before that, then we will be positively surprised. And but make a, a long time time plan. Think, not to plan, yeah, yeah, not just until April, but what happens after, yeah. yeah. And that will then give them time to to also try things out, experiment a little bit, have a structure for how to evaluate it and and, and, and reiterate it on it and improve. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, be okay with experimenting the first couple of weeks and trying things out and and acknowledging that this will also be a learning journey for the parents and for the school leaders yeah. and for the staff and all the great teachers that are trying to find their way in this. Yeah, what I also heard from a lot of teachers in the Netherlands that said, uh, yeah, this is fine for those private schools in Asia, but our kids, they won't be able to do this. Um, and I think a lot of that comes in here as well, where you prepare the students when they're still in the classroom, show yeah. them this is how you find your lesson materials, this is what is expected of you, you don't have a holiday, um, you are expected to do some work. Um Yeah, and I think that will differ for for each school and maybe each country as well. Because I, what I also found interesting is that uh, I got some uh, WhatsApp messages from uh, my friends and colleagues saying, "Oh wow, you've got a holiday now!" Um, uh, you know, the uh, government just communicated schools uh, are closed. Uh, um, so uh, there's no minimum requirement really of what is expected from a teacher. Um, you know, can a teacher just email? a book for them to read and say, hey, uh, do this this week and that's it. Um, you know, I, what are you really uh, We, yeah, s- we see a do. similar thing here in Denmark and I think that will change. We see already now that the Ministry of Education start to uh, give new guidelines and updating their, their expectations because it was very, very unclear and muddy uh, in the beginning. And maybe yeah. there wasn't time for anything else, but but also there I think they... they They'll get communicated new uh, guidelines all the time, and mm-hmm. we all have to find our way in that. Yeah, uh, and let's hope that. Uh, uh, yeah, sometimes I can be a little bit surprised that we in Europe, uh, in the countries where we are from, uh, we are should be really well prepared. We have a large degree of uh, high-speed internet in all classrooms and uh-huh. schools. Uh, Most homes, families in Denmark would have uh, fiber, uh, high-speed internet, and and have a lot of devices uh, in each home. That would be the standard. Of course, there are families that are not that privileged, but 
But from a technology, we should be very well prepared for it. But it is as it's the mindset in, in Europe wasn't prepared for using that digital potential for, for online learning. And uh, Yeah, I guess it was just uh, we didn't think it would come to Europe um, yeah. kind of expectation um, or it wouldn't be this drastic. Yeah, but I also think that shows that we have implemented a lot of technology, but maybe mm -hmm. didn't use the full potential. We haven't been aware of how we can use it for those learners that yeah. maybe can't come to school every day if they are yeah. professional sports people or have a, a illness that makes them not being able to come to school every day and so i think there's a, a huge potential in the technology that we haven't been good at using and, and and now we feel a little bit unprepared where everyone have to be on the distance and i just thought you had a lot of great um, Uh, advice, uh, especially for how to set expectations for the students and for the schools and how to communicate it. So people, they should definitely jump into the blog post and see uh, some of those uh, yeah. where they can see how to, how to set expectations and how to create good communication uh, all the way around for both to the staff and to, yes. to the home, to the parents and to the learners. Thank you for your kind words. I do think it's, you know, it's really difficult because we are used to being in schools that have a lot of technology, but there are so many schools that have got nothing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's really difficult right now um, because then, because for many of them, the books are also still in school. So uh, not all the students take in the books every day and they can't go and get them from the lockers or it's not like they can, you know, continue as they did uh, uh, normally. Or what I also found uh, interesting is hearing from, from you that uh, the school has uh, laptops, but they were, they're not Uh, given uh, uh, to the students who don't have any devices uh, uh, at home. It really sh uh, shows the, the difference between the have yeah. and the have-nots yeah. um, right now. And and uh, I think it's... I will ho hopefully uh, dive into that in, in, in future episodes, but I think it's so important to remember that some schools, they don't have a lot of technology, and some families, they don't have and how to to help them the best uh, way possible. And I think there's, it's just mm -hmm. important to remember that, especially the younger kids that don't have any exams coming up, that there's so much learning in play. And mm -hmm. sometimes also as, as a parent, giving them the room for their own imagination that uh, facilitating play can sometimes maybe be better than trying to stay, uh, just to, to keep up with all the the links that our school maybe is sending to, to the kids, but that we should yeah. remember that that humans in general, they are learning animals, that, that learning happens quite automatically. And, and sometimes if we can yeah. play into the the curiosity and playfulness of, of, of people and, and make it a little bit fun, then those kids will also learn. They don't need to have a device or to have Zoom meetings every day to, to be happy and to, to learn. To, yeah. Very true, yeah. I also saw a great tweet uh, uh, yesterday, I think, where somebody said maybe a great thing that will come out of all of this is that many parents will decide, oh, teaching is actually quite fun and will help the shortage of teachers in the Netherlands. Yeah, <laughs> that could maybe, be great. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> that would be great. And I think it will give uh, parents and, and their children a, a new insight into those learning journeys and how, where the kids are and, and for some new deeper connections maybe as well so 
Yeah. But in your fourth uh, point or uh, in, in in your blog post was about shifting the pedagogy. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought also there was a lot of great uh, advice in, in there. Um, so could you take us a little bit uh, about, uh, through your thoughts about that part of your blog post? Sure. Um, I think both of us as uh, consultants and teacher trainings, um, uh, we are trying to shift towards digital pedagogy and trying to uh, uh, inspire teachers to do things a little bit differently, Hmm. Um, not follow the textbooks uh, as much, give more open-ended assignments, do more with... uh, 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 digital tools and what I thought was really interesting especially um, following what Craig McNeil is doing in uh, Hong Kong is that many of the tools that he's using he would have used normally in his classroom as well it's just that uh, he was already kind of slowly building a time and place independent curriculum it's just that the difference now is that the students are not there with him, but the actual activities and the tools that he is using are exactly the same. So for him, the shift in pedagogy will be relatively small. Yeah. Whereas a student or a teacher who has done uh, uh, very little to innovate their their lessons or their pedagogy in the last over the last ten years, um, for them, um, yeah, the you know, we can was wonder much bigger. if. Yeah. The jump is much bigger, and I'm also, um, I think we need to be realistic about what to expect from them. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I really um, liked about your your, your blog post. Uh, You have this diagram if uh, if people, they are surviving, striving, or or thriving, or arriving in their digital uh, learning, Mm -hmm. and, and being very aware of, where you as a school and as a team of colleagues where you are and, and, and what is possible in, in that situation. I think that is a yeah. important Because step. there's a lot of, the, there's so many blog posts now and videos about what you could do for right now in these weeks. But uh, mo- the most inspiring examples are from schools who've been doing this for years, who've been building towards this for years. And it's not realistic to aspire to that. Um, so you should take, you know, baby steps, start with your LMS, what do you use and how can we use it effectively? And then, um, you know, go towards striving and then arriving. Yeah. Um, that was research from, uh, Dr. Jennifer Wolfel from the university of Hong Kong. She shared that graphic and I thought it was really good as well. And I hope also that, that, that schools now find the right level for them to, to deliver the, mm-hmm. the, the best possible learning in their situation. But I also hope that it will be a wake-up call for how to prepare because I think it will not be the last time that we have to, to live in a reality where we maybe have to close down. And and, and yeah. I hope that a lot of schools now see, okay, how can we actually be much more naturally prepared for a situation like that? How can we actually implement technology in a way that makes this jump for, for remote learning less uh, drastic for us and, and mm-hmm. also for the students as well? So as you said, uh, Craig in, in Hong Kong, that he can just use the, the tools that he used to use in the classroom because he is a fantastic digital teacher, a teacher that used digital technology in fantastic ways. So for mm-hmm. his learners as well, it must be much easier to adapt to this new situation yeah. As, and your last point in your, your blog post was that 
uh, about community well-being and student well-being and i think that would mm -hmm. be a beautiful place to to end that remember the importance of of well-being yep um, yeah we'll find i think we're hearing what we already talked about earlier is that students can get you know quite lonely they're stuck inside um it stopped raining here now the sun's finally started shining but you know it's been raining here for six weeks uh on end uh that can also make people quite uh yeah depressed yeah. um so really use the time that you have with the kids when you're on the videos or in the chats for them to chat as well and check in how they're doing make sure they're getting sleep um yeah, yeah really come down to those basics of uh, sleep uh, mm -hmm. keeping some kind of timetable and uh, you have also a, a, a with having a study area that maybe is not uh, where you also enjoy your family and are together and as well. Yeah. I think there's a lot of great advice. And then you also says it's about teacher well-being that we are aware that this will also be uh, for those for most teachers also a really a huge challenge if, if to work in a new way and especially yeah. two, three, four weeks uh, down the road that will be. There will be a lot of uncertainty, maybe, and self-doubt, and, and I think it's so important to keep up as a teacher community and, and keep encouraging each other and being a bit patient with each other and accepting that it's a new situation both for the parents and for the learners and for, for the staff and for leadership and, and yeah. yeah, being yeah, patient with each other yeah, and um, accepting it that everyone will... Teachers. Yeah, I think I think Craig also had a great tip about uh, deleting all the school apps for your mobile phone. The weekends are weekends. Yeah. Uh, don't answer emails after a certain time in the evening. Um, you know, help yourself before you yeah. help others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that will some tips that I also can use. <laughs> that are relevant to my situation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, Suzanne. Thank you very much for your time today and for sharing. You're welcome. Uh, I will definitely include a link and hope that uh, people, they will follow up because there's so much great stuff in that blog post that we hadn't time to uh, look into and, and you link to the, the, the sources as well and so on. So that's a lot to dive All into. Right. Thank, Thank you very, you very much, much for your time. Have a fantastic day and uh, be too. safe. You too. Be safe. Yeah, stay inside. <laughs> Dear listener, the link for Suzanne Lustenhauer's blog post is included in the show notes. And dear listener, stay safe and feel free to share this episode with a colleague or on social media and give it a review. And also feel free to give us uh, in, uh, tips and uh, insights and update us on how remote learning is going uh, at your school. And we are always also looking for new guests and new angles for the, on the topic of remote learning. So feel free to contact us. Wish you a safe and good day. Bye.